0: glorious day to be in your house. Thank you for Jesus. Glory to your name. God, may there be glory in the church today. May we be focused solely and completely on you. Lord, may we have repentant hearts and open minds and hands to be and do what you have us to do. Lord, I pray that when we leave here be surrendered to your Lordship, to your salvation, Bless everything that's said and everything that's done, we bring glory to your name. And it's in that name, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome this morning. A little crisp, but feels good in here. Amen. We're glad you're here today. Worship with us. If you're... A visitor please fill out a visitor's card in our uh bulletin and uh, we would love to communicate with you don't forget all of our announcements now small groups tonight choir practice a wednesday night will be our church-wide thanksgiving feed trough uh, it's wonderful what a blessing and some stuff that we never get any other time of the year. We don't have to feel quite as guilty for it. But, uh, please make sure that you come. If you're visiting with us, understand, I know the whole Southern thing. Look, I grew up with a mom and wife that both have the same mentality of this, that if you don't bring something, you feel like you can't come. You're our special gift. That's right. Mephibosheth couldn't bring anything to the king's table yet. The king said, You will sit at my table. This table prepared Wednesday night is just by brothers and sisters in Christ. You're our special guest at the head of the table. We we found out in Sunday school this morning as we were studying 1 John the truest sign of a believer is that they love other believers. And so we love each and every one of you. We want you to come Wednesday night and enjoy that. And then Saturday night, you'll find on the back of your bulletin uh, the, uh, the insert about the, the Claxton Praise Community uh, the Thanksgiving service. You'll find all the times for that this coming Saturday night at the Wildlife Club. And the, then we'll have regular Sunday morning Sunday school worship next Sunday. We'll not have services next Sunday night and next Wednesday night. So we get it all in today. supper Wednesday night. uh, Thanksgiving service Saturday night worship next Sunday. So let's just enjoy the day. Let's trust God to bless us, to speak to us because, listen, He has given so much to us. Let us be thankful even today. Good morning. Good morning. Uh,
1: I'm not Matt. You can tell by the top of my head, if not by other.
2: <laughs>
1: he uh, he, went, he had a good day, by the way, yesterday. They they went to the office, so that uh, that turned out that turned out good. Let me ask you, how many of you came today uh, from a land that was plentiful? You feel like you came from a lot. You came here this morning. God have you blessed? I did. I did. Uh, anybody drinking from the streams of abundance? I've the words in this song. I mean, it, was, it tasted good. It was, it was kind of cool, you know. My, my strings of buttons were warm with a little bit of cream this morning. They were good. Uh, now I want to ask the other side of the question. How many of you feel like that if I went looking for you, I'd find you in a desert place right now? Maybe you won't raise your hand, but some of you are out there thinking that's me. Uh, some of, is it, anybody walking in the wilderness not real sure what the next thing is going to be? Uh, one of the one, I like this song is sing singing with us. Uh, because if you're would you have a place you're in? When you sing, uh, the rest of the time I don't mind telling you. anybody ever, anybody ever been to uh, the uh, the what is it? The American Museum is part of the Smithsonian. Anybody, anybody ever seen the painting American Gothic? anybody ever seen? It? Do you know what it is? It's a picture of an old farmer and his wife before, right? You know what I'm talking about? And they just kind of standing. <laughs> So, when you, when you guys are out there and you give me that, I don't know what to do, I think. Uh, do, I, do I play louder, do I play softer, do I, should I stop singing, uh, what do I do? But every now and then, when we, we scan the room, uh, it, it, you, you get it, or we get to a place like, and it's, we get the, you know, a smile, Or maybe you just It's just you and God And there's nobody else in the room And we can see that from up here. Now that's encouraging So my encouragement to you is To worship this morning Don't miss the chance To worship
2: Finding myself
1: And the things that were missing in our worship this morning, Father, we just pray um, that you would let those go because you can see our hearts. And that you would fill those up this morning so that we might know your presence. We might give you glory. I pray that you would stir up the desire in me. happen uh, at 1 o'clock this afternoon and at 3 o'clock tomorrow morning because I'm grateful for this body that's scattered here it's easy for me to lift your name up in this place, pray that my life would do it that brings you glory in the other places you have. thank you for the gifts you've given us Father we do, our pockets, our hands and our mouths are full allow us you already deserve to acknowledge your place above all things by giving back to you with open hands what
2: you give us.
1: We love you and praise you this morning, and pray most of all, more than anything.
0: a refresher of God's Word. You know, there was a time between Malachi and Matthew that for basically 400 years, we know that in our terms, God was silent. Does that mean God didn't work or didn't speak to anyone for 400 years? Because that's the way we interpret it. But well, we know that would be not the case. And just as in the case of the intertestamental period, so goes our time today. And of course, we know as believers in Jesus Christ, if we have confessed our sins, and are repented of our sins, confessed Him as Lord and Savior, and we've been born again, the Holy Spirit seals us into the day of redemption, we are the t- temple, the tabernacle that the Holy Spirit lives within, and so wherever we go, the Holy Spirit is there. But does God speak? It's the word of God speak? The word of God does speak. But I'm afraid too often God is speaking in our midst. God is trying to get our attention. We're oblivious. Look, drive, drive 90 up and down I-16. And somebody will remind you that that's not a suggestion on that speed limit sign. It's there for purpose. And I know all of us, just about probably, are guilty at one time or another of seeing a wet paint sign and we just couldn't resist. There's something different about a wet paint sign and a high voltage sign, isn't there? Right? I, I've never been tempted to say oh, I'm just going to see how I do. <laughs>
2: Electricity
0: scares me. I'm not. I don't want anything to do with it. Those signs, high voltage, no trespassing. Violators will be shot.
2: <laughs>
0: and we laugh and we, you know, we think that in good southern humor. But I've been down the 1967 ceasefire line between Syria. Jordan and Israel. I've been across the Alamee Bridge where it has those signs and they're not joking. One step out. And you're It's open. They don't play. They fight that battle every day. There's not a joke. Well, what I want you to look at with me today in Daniel chapter 5 is God has these signs written plain to you that I'm afraid that for two too often, too many times, too frequently, we ignore the handwriting on the wall. The handwriting on the wall. Look with me in Daniel chapter 5. Now, a little history. Y'all know who King Nebuchadnezzar is, right? But how many honestly know who Belshazzar was? We don't think about it in the way we think of it. Nebuchadnezzar. But yet, when we think of Nebuchadnezzar, we automatically think of the evil one who built the big idol and, you know, had the three Hebrew children, you know, all those that didn't bow down. We we think about Nebuchadnezzar that way. But the scripture goes on, especially in chapter 4 and in some of 5, says that Nebuchadnezzar, nonetheless, Literally made him start raving mad. He woke up one day and he said, "You're God, and I'm not." But now Nebuchadnezzar has went the way of the grave, and carrying his respect and honor for Israel's God with him, and Belshazzar sits on the throne. And he made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before a thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. By the way, let me just say right here before we go any further that many of us, as we begin to look at this text about the golden vessels and the abuse of them... And we want to look back and say, but Nebuchadnezzar took them. Yes, he did. But he never took them out of context. And he never, he allowed God to use him to punish Israel and even while they were in his midst. So what I'm trying to tell you, as you will see this develop, young people, you cannot blame your parents for your choices. Belshazzar, it says they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. The king and his princes, wives, concubines drank in them. They were meant only for the priests. They drank wine, praised the little g, gods of gold and of silver, brass, of iron, wood, and of stone. And in that same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand. Wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. (coughs) And the king saw the part and the hand that rose. The king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him. So that the joints of his loins were loose and his knees smote one against another. In other words, his knees began to knock. He literally looked like a cartoon as he felt like he would fall apart in such raw terror. You see, it was God's (coughs) hand. God began to write. Before we begin to see what God wrote, we see why he wrote it. First of all, we see in verses 1 through 3, desecrated vessels. These vessels were created from the very very beginning in the wilderness as they God ordered the tabernacle to be set up. How worship was to take place. Y'all with me on that? God was very clear. You know, that part that gets a little boring and almost a little monotonous when you start reading over Leviticus and it seems like it's. And triplicate, this needs to be done this way. And this needs to be done that way. And, and so on and so on and so on. All that was important or God wouldn't have said it. And that's why we need to read all of Scripture. That's why we need to be diligent about doing what God wants us to do in our life. And not just be casual about who God is and what God wants for our life. Yet what happened was they not only took them and misused them. Not in an ignorant fashion but knowing. And what Daniel is saying is, Nebuchadnezzar, though taking them, never, ever crossed that line and allowed God to speak and change his life. Yet, Belshazzar rebelled and said, I'll show their God. I'll show their people. Look who I am. Look who my people are. Bring them in. And they began to party with the vessels That God had ordered for himself. I want you to understand something very quickly. We need to see the handwriting on the wall in our lives. The desecrated vessels we're abusing. We're abusing the talents God has given us. God has blessed us beyond measure. We walk, talk, breathe, and have our being. And we think somehow we're doing that on our own. Let us be careful to understand the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has ordered your steps. It's not up to you. Just in the last month, Becky and Emily and I have been talking about college. She's a junior we've been talking about possibilities and looking at where she may want to go and what she may want to do. But all of that being seasoned with as long as it's what God wants. Where does God want you to go? What does God want you to do? We must be careful not to desecrate the vessel of talent God has blessed us with. And sometimes it's not the most obvious talent. It may not be playing ball even though you're the best ball player. Billy Sunday, nobody remembers him for being a professional baseball player. They remember him for being one of the greatest evangelists who preached the fiery gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they remember. It's the spiritual gift of this God has blessed us with, and yet we desecrate it with the things that are carnal and of the flesh. <laughs> we are the vessels of talents of time. Time is precious, isn't it? It's fleeting. The Bible tells us that life is as a vapor. A vanishes what? No how Time flies. Time changes things. The good news is with God, there is no time. Never have to wake up and get in a hurry in heaven. Never have to feel late in heaven. If you are a believer, you made it to heaven. Time will be no more. But as we live today, are we using the precious moments of our lives... Bring God glory. Are we desecrating the time? Are we wasting it? Look, it doesn't mean just partying it away like the prodigal son, but the simple sitting on the sidelines and doing nothing. It's time to walk up beside our Lord and say to Jesus Christ, say, put me in, Coach. Use me. Use me up. That's what. The Bible tells us about so many of the prophets and the apostles. They were poured out as a drink offering before God. Giving their very life. They gave up family. They gave up homes. They gave up everything to serve God. And every one of them who finished well as Paul said about his life finishing the course and keeping the faith. That I'll tell you, it was worth it. It was worth it. Serve the Lord. Desecrate time, talents, our tithe. This is the bring the tithe month. I haven't even checked the number, but I pray that you understand that tithing is not a suggestion. I pray that you understand. We talked about it in our Sunday school class this morning. You can't afford not to tie. You just can't. I thank God. One of the greatest things my parents ever did for me was to teach me to tie. And they didn't teach me once I got my first full-time job. They started teaching me when I made $10 for raking leaves, for shoveling gravel, Take a dollar and get it. God instilled that. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the biblical principles of tithing. You cannot afford. It. Look, it's not about making the local church wealthy. It's about doing what God said to do. Imagine if every. Church member just at Eastside would give out of the abundance God has blessed him with and stop desecrating the vessel of God using you to help someone else. If we would just all be found faithful and bringing the tide, it set the world on fire from right here in Clackston. I believe that. I've seen that happen everywhere. When God changed your heart about your money, God changed your heart about a lot of stuff. And if you don't know it yet, government don't own, don't own you. God does. All right. Because they can catch you, attach you seven ways to Sunday. But God doesn't have to even give you next Sunday. God's in control. Amen. We must not desecrate the vessels. But notice the defiant worship. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, silver, brass, iron, and stone. And not for the sake of time, I'm not going to say a whole lot about this, but just to ask you, what godless thing are you worshiping in your life? What is it you're kneeling down before? What is it that dominates your time, your talent, your time? What dominates your life? And I promise you, that's what you're worshiping. God doesn't come first every time. That he's not first anytime. That's what he said. God must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Not in some false way of what we think worship should be. And this whole idea of I can worship God anywhere. Yes, God can be worshipped anywhere, but usually those are the ones who are, work, who are saying they worship God anywhere who never worship in the house of God, and that's what God's Word said. And it's funny to me, when you're out on the boat or in the woods, they don't pass an offering plate over there. And you don't have to serve on any committees, you don't have to bring any food, you don't have to do anything when you're worshipping God after worship Since when? Did we get to choose how we do things for God? He's still Lord. But here's what I wanted you to get, what I need to get, out of the handwriting on the wall is the defeated results. He said in verse 5, in the same hour came his fingers and they wrote over on the wall. We know what I've said, his knees literally not together. It says the King cried allowed verse 7 to bring in the astrologers, Chaldean soothsayers. He got every talk show host and every psychologist and every atheistic uh, mystic there was in the world. He brought the brightest bride in to tell him how to fix this and what was being said, and yet none of them knew. He said, I'll give you even to me the third ruler of the kingdom if you'll just tell me what that says. And nobody could. And then the Queen Mum said, I think I know a man. A man I've heard about. A man I remember man of the Hebrews. man named Daniel. Daniel was brought in before the king. He said in verse 13, and he said, are you Daniel? And he said, yes. And he went on to begin to tell him what had went on. He talked about how Nebuchadnezzar had reigned and how God had worked in his life. And how now Belshazzar had not humbled his heart. And so we see things get drastic. he began to translate in verse 25. This is the writing that was written many, many tico-eucarces. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many. God had the number of thy kingdom and finished it. Remember, he said it twice. And in saying it twice, it had a variance of meaning. First and the second. One, though just very, barely different, the second one was reinforcing the first, much like a barely varied, I say unto you. He said, many, many. God has numbered and finished. Tegel, thou art weighed the balances and are found wanting. In Barsan or Peres, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, they clothed Daniel with scarlet and chain gold about his neck, made a proclamation concerning him. Oh, he was... He was trying to get on God's good side now. But the desecration, the deviance, had gone too long. And now the destruction was set in order. And in that night, as Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans, slain, how quickly things can change. Just hours before, he's sitting at... His own designed world tour party. Now, he is not. I want you to notice these things that God wrote on the wall. The first penny, he said literally, the days of Belshazzar and his kingdom were numbered. In our world today, Can we not see the things God is writing on the wall? And know that God is telling us our days are numbered? I don't remember school shootings when I was in school. Y'all remember? I mean, we had plenty of guns at school. But what's going on? I mean, I can remember... You rode right through the parking lot at at my high school. It wasn't just the students that had guns up in the windows of the truck. It was the coaches and the assistant principals and everybody else. But they stayed there. And we went straight from school hunting. And now, we never know from one day to another what may happen. And we pray or our children and we pray. The handwriting is on the wall. Have changed. We see it in culture. We see it in trying to adapt the work, the church to the world. We want, or the world wants us to conform. It wants us to just sit by. It wants us to be quiet. Thank God, two weeks ago, Christians were not quiet. Christians went and voted. Christians says, "No more." And things changed. Christians are standing up and said, "You will not take my sermons." You'll. Starts, and when it doesn't, we will let God do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Church, God is riding it across America. Can we not see it? Can we not see that our days are numbered? Paul saw it almost 2,000 years ago. Peter saw it. John saw it on the Isle of Patmos. And he didn't have satellite, radio or TV. John saw even to the point he said even so Lord come quickly. our days are numbered do I believe there can be a, a revival yes I absolutely do do I believe we're closer than we've ever been before yes I absolutely do you say well that's just practical yes but look This world wracts worse and worse. The things that we wouldn't have even spoken in the daylight are now being ushered in and courted in the church house. Church, he said your days are numbered to the king, but not just that. He said those numbers, those days are numbered and they're settled. This reckoning. That he speaks about here the second many literally means to reckon or to settle an account i can't help it one of my one of my favorite scenes of all time you know what i will say is when in the movie tombstone you know wide earth is out for blood and they said something to Doc Holliday about vengeance. And he said, oh, make no mistake, it's not about vengeance. It's the reckoning. You know, I didn't really understand all that. It just sounded like good Western talk. You know, he's tapping on his ivory. And it's the reckoning. Well, that sounds good. But you know what it means biblically? And th- that's what this word, the second many means. It means a reckoning. It literally means to settle an account. What Doc Holliday was saying was. "Wide earth feels like you owe him something. And it's not that he's just taking out hinges. You owe him something and he's coming to settle that account. What God was telling is that we owe him everything. And he told Belshazzar, you you
1: have cashed
2: a check. That I am now.
0: Calling you. He was settling the account. The numbers. The days were numbered. He was calling the loan due. And he said. T T.K. This literally means. A lacking. There's a. A vacancy. You are weighed in the balances, and there's nothing there to weigh. You've been found wanting. You're empty. First week I was pastor, I was gonna be real spiritual, get up early, because they had a men's Bible study. Well, anybody want to get up and study the Bible at 6 o'clock in the morning, I had no idea that I was going to do it. I was a new pastor, I tried to make friends and everything else. I didn't know anybody. So I said, I'm going to do it. Then I was excited, got up, got ready, jumped in the truck, knew where it was at, knew what was going on, got up perfect time, everything was great. And as I come past the banks, by the courthouse, something didn't feel just right, and by the time I got the Hades, it ran out of gas. <laughs> I hadn't thought too much about that. We'd been over docks and he would helped so much and they had helped with us and we'd got everything loaded and stuff and they said, just come back to the house and we'll eat. And so we went over there and ate pizza and stuff. And then I went back home and back and forth, back and forth, doing stuff. Took the trailer over there. He he said, you can leave it over here. I was just back and forth. I didn't think about gas. I mean, it's just, it was a 1.8 miles from where we were leaving, living to the church. 1.8 miles. Never mind the sign that said, low fuel. You know, the big sign. And the gas station on the corner of where I lived. And every corner in between. And I coasted into the Rite Aid parking lot. I thought, Glenn's at work. Now remember, I didn't know y'all. The only person I had known was on the pastor search committee, Ben Brinson. I said, I think he goes to this thing. Dear God. I called him. He answered. I said, look, can you do me a favor?
2: <laughs>
0: I said, I want to come. Yeah, come on. I said, no, no you don't understand. Uh, I'm in the ride, aid part like, Can you come get me?
2: <laughs>
0: and being a good attorney, he didn't ask any questions. He said, sure, if he came. He said, Chuck, break right down? I said, better speaking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Had great tires on. Michelins.
0: They weren't a couple months old. Great guys. Low mileage. When I moved here, the truck had about 50,000 miles on it. Air work, heat work, radio work. Everything worked. Bubble work, transmission work, everything worked. Didn't matter if it wasn't even gas. Are y'all following me with this? There was a lack. There was a lack. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who leads the music, who preaches the message, who plays the instruments, what songs we sing, who teaches the classes and where you sit, how hot or how cold it is in here. If the Holy Spirit isn't leading us, then all of this is a sham. That's right. And we're lacking. He said that you're lacking some things. You've been weighed and found lacking. What are we lacking? Here's some, just some ideas of mine. I think not only do we see with Belshazzar and his people, but with us, there's a lacking of desire for God's pleasure. They didn't care about what pleased God. Do we care if we please God anymore? Or are we worried about pleasing ourselves? We become so carnal in our Christianity we can say and do and be whatever we think we want to, and then say a quick, cute little saying or quote Toby Mack on Facebook, and we're spiritual again. That's not being the church. That is not being real. That is fake, and it's a fraud, and that's why I lost people don't want what we got, because they already got that. We must look different. We must look. The world's going to weigh you. Get over it. I'm not, I'm not what I used to be. But every time I go to the doctor, the first thing they're going to make me do is get on the stinking scale. And I start trying to take off everything I can, you know, before I get up there.
2: I'm like, can I go
0: in private where I take everything off? You know, okay. You say, what right is it for the church world to judge me because you've been bought with a price and you've been put here to be light and salt and pierce the darkness and give flavor to a flavorless world and God says you are on the front line and the world's going to weigh you and they're going to weigh you according to what your name is, Christian. And if you're going to be weighed according to that, it's going to be according to the way Jesus walked, talked, and lived. Are we real or not? We've been found wanting in a desire for God's pleasure. You wake up in the morning and say, God, whatever I do today, whatever, wherever I go, whatever I do, God, I want to please you. Do you remember when you wanted to make your mom and daddy proud? Do you remember that? I mean, really, you wanted to make them proud? You know, I wish I'd have got that concept through school. I wanted to make them proud of the I didn't care if it was proud or not about that. I want to make him proud, you know. Watch his kind of proud, you know, jump off the roof of the house and land on my feet. You know, that that was, that was our kind of make, we just made Mama nervous. And then he'd shake his head and walk off. Do we want to make our Heavenly Father proud? we want to make him proud? Stand up straight. Confess Christ and back it up with the way we love and the way we live. We'll make them pray. We've been waiting. A desire for God's pleasure. A dedication for God's purpose. Those vessels were dedicated for one thing and one thing only. Worship. That's what those vessels were for. And I'm here to tell you, God did not create you for sin and filth and worldliness that is anti-God. God created you for something better. God did not speak this world into existence to just spin out of control and do whatever it wants to do. Look, the world, people are still going to make choices. There's free will. But we must choose Him. God has a purpose for us. God has a plan for our life. I don't understand why some things happen and some don't. I have no Look, and I, I don't upset anybody. I don't understand what happened this past week. I don't know why. I know that when I looked into the casket of my 11-year-old brother-in-law, I could not understand. I'm 50 years old. And I still don't know why. But I do know this. God has never lost control.
2: Yeah.
0: Nothing surprised God. Monday night didn't surprise God. That December 1985 didn't surprise God. And tomorrow's not going to surprise God. Problem is, it may surprise us. That's why we have to be dedicated for God's purpose, so that if it is our last moment, we live it fully intending and fully passionate about pleasing God. Wouldn't you like to know that the last thing you did was bring honor and glory to His name? Whether that's at 9 or 9. The last thing you do brings honor and glory to God's
2: name.
0: It's so sad the way some people go out of this world. And it becomes their testimony. we try to cover it up. We knock the corners off of it. And I'm not even going to tell you. But you, you can imagine some of the things people do. In, that causes the ends of their life. Or happens in the midst. We've been weighed and found wanting in our dedication for God's purpose and in our determination. He did not continue what Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn a hard lesson, did he not? How long did he eat with the goats and the pigs and sleep out under the stars and covered by the dew of the ground? How long? Seven years. That's a long time, isn't it? That's
2: a long time to learn a
0: lesson. Some of you are still trying to learn the lesson. I've got wonderful, glorious, life-changing news. Come in out of the wilderness this morning. Stop living like the goats and the pigs of this world and get in your right mind by the leadership of the Holy Spirit and come get it right with God today. He'll change your life. he changed Nebuchadnezzar's life. Belshazzar did not pay attention and He did not learn There was no determination for God's progress We got to keep on keeping on folks I know sometimes it is hard. I know Sometimes your friends let you down The church lets you down Your pastor lets you down I'm here to ask you if I have Forgive me But do not hold God accountable for what some human these chairs are empty today, largely because somebody blames somebody for why they don't come to church. Look, bottom line is God's not going to listen to that. So if you try that because some deacon or preacher or some person made you mad, put on your big big boy britches and realize you're not that special. I mean, you are, but you're not. You're you're so special God sent his own son to die. But he didn't send him to die just for you. He sent him to die for the sins of the world. God loves you. But he don't love you more than he loves me. And he don't love me more than he loves another one. I I shared Wednesday night the most moving words of the Georgia Baptist Convention this past week. Dr. White, the executive director of Georgia Baptist Convention was standing there, and eleven church planters were standing behind him. And they introduced each one. There was a, a Laotian pastor, there were Hispanic pastors, there were white pastors, there were black pastors. And when he introduced all of them, they all went down except for one. One was a black pastor who pastors a church plant. In Loganville, Georgia. And as he, as he planted this church. And God led and God was blessing. And people began to be saved. And they began to baptize. And things began to happen. He got a call from his daughter. Who lived there with him and his wife. And her two children. I think a single mother. So his two grandkids and his daughter's at home. And his daughter calls and said, Dad, I think the house is on fire. <laughs> he said, OK, well, have you called? Yeah, we called 911. He said, well, get out of the house. And, you know, and he said, I'm driving. You know, she sounded pretty calm. And I figure I'll get there and everything will be all right. And he put up pictures on the scene. Now, he was, he was being interviewed by Dr. White. I don't want you to think he got up and had all that. None of this was scripted except for The pictures. The interior was a complete loss. They were on the second floor. And the fire started like, I don't know if it was a hot water heater or something, under the steps. And she grabbed both of her children and jumped over the fire to get down. And inside the house was a complete loss. he began to weep and he said, I want to tell you, through that time, he said I, "Sell oh God's people do a great work." He said, "I want you to hear this." He said, "When everything that you think you're doing for God, you feel like you're doing what God wants you to do, it seems like everywhere you turn, something hits you in the face." And if it's not there, then it's out in other areas of your life and Satan comes at you and your house burns and everything else seems to go wrong. He said, I'm here to tell you, when you realize Jesus is all you got, then you understand Jesus is all you need. I about how to run in the fed, I'm gonna tell you. They went and shouting all over that place in this big fancy church, and all the high pastors. He said, I want to add one other thing. He said, Jesus said, if you'll feed the hungry and visit those in prison and give clothes to the net, as you if you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you do it unto me. He said, I'm here to tell you, Georgia Baptist, I am the least. And you've done it unto me. Praise God. I can't wait to see how Jesus is going to bless you for it. Well, we do doing it for the least of them. Now, I want to finish very quickly. And the last were tetras. He tells us that our days are numbered. He told him that there would be a reckoning to settle the account. That he'd been weighed in the balances and there was something lacking. But he finishes up by saying, there shall be a division or a brokenness. There's a breaking that has to take place. Now I'll tell you, you've got the choice. You can either let God break you and be used. Or you can continue to live a broken life. You see, we're living with broken dreams, aren't we? Living disillusioned lives where we thought we would have by this time in my life, I'd have this and I'd have that. And I've worked hard. And it seems like every time I try to get ahead, I lose this. Have you been tithing? Have you been praying? Have you been studying? Are you doing what God? Remember, goes back to the start? Is your dedication, your desire of the Lord, your talent, your time? And if not, can we blame anyone else but ourselves for the broken dreams that we had? Broken hearts. I ain't seen brokenhearted people. There's nothing sadder than somebody with a broken heart. And I know you young people think you've had a broken heart. You ain't got a broken heart. Am I right? Now, that's important. You know, I don't mean to make loud of that. I, I don't. But I'm here to tell you. I wish I could give you great news. Then you grow out of it. You won't. Because broken This happens all along this life. But the great news is, we know the heart. Ezekiel said, God created a new heart in me. God will pump life back into our own dead corpse. If you're living with broken dreams, with a broken heart, give it to God. I don't understand. Look, please. I thank God, come. I'll be more than thankful and grateful. I am so honored when people ask me to pray for it. But don't think asking me to pray for your problems is going to make everything go away. Seek Him. Get on your face and pray. But it may be that God's answer is I'm giving grace through your problems, not grace from them. Broken dreams, broken hearts. Broken families, broken churches, broken lives, and a broken future. Belshazzar, you're done. And I don't mean three months done. I don't mean a severance package, Belshazzar. I don't mean retirement. I mean you're done. You're you're Acts chapter 5 done. You know who I'm talking about right? <coughs> they lied. They lied. Who did they lie to? The Holy Ghost. And you know what gets me about that? When he lied, he felt dead. She's back at the house. And they come and they said, she said, what's going on? I said, you, this is what the scripture says. Read it. Go home and read it. it. says, do you hear those footsteps? Those are the footsteps of men Carrying your husband to the grave and coming to get you, and she fell dead. Too. There's one king that made an oration to himself, and the Bible said, "Look at me, I'm God." And he fell dead. The worms ate him. Jezebel mocked God and everything about God and God's people, and the dogs ate her. But she was so filthy that they wouldn't even eat the palms of her hand. That's how vile she was. The dogs would even eat her. Animals. I'm here to tell you, you cannot go further than God allows. And we need to understand. Look, people say we need to fix this. We need to fix religion. We need to fix the church. We need to fix. I'm, I'm here to tell you, we don't have a broken salvation. What we've got is a broken surrender. That's what's broken. And it is time, as they come right now, without hesitation, we understand that when we're weighed, we're weighed against the righteousness that is Christ. And the only way to balance that out is to have his
2: righteousness.
0: And the only way we can have his righteousness is to be in him. And so the only way to get it right is to come get your life surrendered to Jesus Christ and to him alone. What is it standing in your way? God is riding on the walls of your heart right now. And you've been trying to figure it out, what the Holy Spirit told you this morning. Right here, right now, is the only way it's going to change. He's given you something he didn't give Belshazzar, he's given you an opportunity. Why don't you come stand without hesitation? I think Belshazzar would have been glad to take a chance. Will you come? Trust God today.
2: This is my day.